0: So do you know why you're here today? And do you know how you got here today? Think about it. And I'm not talking about why you're here because your spouse, uh, she, he dragged you here or a friend bribed you to come. Uh, or how you got here, you know I mean? Like a car or a vehicle or whatever, transportation. I'm not talking about that. Um, I'm talking about something else. How did you get here? And why are you here? See, why you're here... Uh, is is so important and why we are here together is so important see we are here you're here because god has always wanted to have a family and he wants you and he wanted you to be a part of his family and be in his family that's why you're here today And that is why you, because God wants you and wanted you to be in his family. See, God created all humanity in his likeness and bearing his image. It it reflects the purpose of why we were created. We were created to be God's family. But like a lost and rebellious uh, son or daughter and daughter, the first uh, of our humanity uh, was removed from God's family because they didn't want to submit to God's authority. And at that moment in time, humanity came under the power of the curse of sin. Humanity became lost without the solution to restore the beauty, to restore the peace, the joy, and to restore the life they had. They were lost to the solution, which had now been replaced. All the beauty, peace, and joy of life had been replaced now with brokenness, hostility, shame, pain, and death. However, God still had a plan and God's always has a plan because God wants a family and he wants you to be in his family. So God chose an old childless couple named Abraham and Sarah and he made a promise to them and his promise was, would be that he promised them that their offspring that they did not have in their old age, that their offspring would bless all people. And God, as he always does, fulfills his promise. Through Abraham's offspring, by answering his, and and, and being faithful to his promise, God, through Abraham's offspring, would bring, come into this world. And Jesus, the Son of God, would be born into the world to defeat Satan, destroy the curse of sin, and through his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, he would bring a blessing to all who would trust in him as Savior and follow him as Lord. Jesus is the blessing that God promised through Abraham and Sarah that would bless all of humanity. And Jesus then started a new humanity. He started a new people who would become the family of God, becoming God's family because God wants to have a family. And and we would become God's family, people would become God's family because of Jesus Christ's work. And he would call this family... The church, through Jesus Christ, God would make it possible for all people to receive Jesus as Savior, follow Jesus as Lord, and have a second chance to be reinstated into his family. You are here today because God wants a family. Church, we are God's family. And to be God's family means everything. This is who we are. And it shapes everything we are supposed to do. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. My name is Casey and it is such an honor to be together with you today. Uh, for those of you that are new in the room, we are so grateful to share this time together with you. For those of you that are uh, new with us online, we're so grateful to be together with you. Uh, for those of you that are new in the room, uh, we'd love to give you a gift today. And after today's service, if you'll make your way across our lobby there's uh, and go into our Welcome Center, all across the lobby there, a host will be in that room and they would love to give you a gift for being with us today. And while you're there, we'd love to just share with you four quick things in less than four minutes. Of your time about who we are as a church family. Uh, For those of you that are new with us online, uh, they're posting a link to a Connect card right now. Please click that link, and that will enable us to send you a gift for being with us today. Now, church family, can we welcome everybody and let everybody that's watching online know how grateful we are to share this time with them and everyone that's new with us in the room? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be together as God's family. So, this is the last installment of the series. Where we've been talking about we are God's family. We've been talking about our identity. And uh we've been looking at the series big idea, and it's more than just a series big idea. This is kinda like a family motto, if you will. And and We've been saying this together. And I want us to say this together. If you're new with us, um, I'm going to have them put it on, on the screen. There are a couple blanks you can fill in if you would like to fill it in. But what I want us to say this together. Uh, this is who we are. And we've been talking about who we are is so important because our identity, it defines our mission, which drives our vision, that defines our behavior, directs our behaviors. And the behaviors that we share together are so important because it's shared behaviors that creates the life-giving culture that the church is meant to have, that the family of God is meant to have. So here is our, uh, not just a series big idea, but it's kind of like our family motto, if you will. I want you to deep breath, put your coffee just in your lap and let's say it loud and proud together. Here we go, all together here. We are God's family on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus To build up Christ-centered families by wrapping God's family around your family. Who are we? This is our identity. We are God's family. And this defines our mission. We are on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus. And that has shaped our vision. Our vision is to build up Christ-centered families. We want to build up Christ-centered singles. We are called to build up Christ-centered children in the next generation and teenagers and college students and, and we want to build up Christ-centered parents and marriages and we want to build up Christ-centered um, empty nesters and widows and widowers. We are here to build up Christ's family. And the way we're going to do this is by wrapping God's family around each other. That we're going to do exactly what Jesus commanded us to do. We're going to love one another the way he has loved us. And so in this series, we've been looking at these four, beha- we're looking at four behaviors. We've looked at three today in the, up till today. Three behaviors that we have to share together because we are God's family. And the first is we are loving Jesus by gathering together to love one another. We must gather together to love one another. Second behavior is we are becoming like Jesus by navigating scripture to follow Jesus together. This is who we are and because of who we are, this is what we do. We become like Jesus by navigating scripture that leads us to know how we are to believe and how we are to live. And then we're sharing Jesus. And the way we're sharing Jesus, we talked about this first part of sharing Jesus last week. We're praying with one another. This is how we share the power of God, with one another. And so today we're going to talk about the fourth keystone behavior. I call these keystone behaviors, they're keystone to any family, and especially to God's family, to to his church. And today we're going to look at this fourth keystone. Keystone behavior. But as we've done with each week, we need to look at a foundational truth. And here's a foundational truth that we need to understand as we get into the last behavior. Here's a foundational truth God's family is His plan to accomplish His purpose on earth. God's family, the church, you and me who have been a part and we've received salvation through our faith in Christ's work on the cross. And through his resurrection, we have been welcomed in to this new family, adopted by him through the Holy Spirit who has come into our life that we've received. And we are God's plan. We are his plan to accomplish his purpose on earth. God does not have a plan B to accomplish his purpose. He has you and he has me and we are his plan. And by the way, this is the reason you are here today. Because someone else at one point in time shared Jesus or shared their story that was a seed of the good news of what Jesus could do for you. And it's because they planted that seed that you are here today. See, through Jesus Christ, God made it possible for humanity humanity to be redeemed, restored, and reinstated into the family of God. Jesus then would start a church. A church would be this gathering of his disciples, and he would commission them with a mission to go. And he would say, go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Those disciples took that seriously and because they took that seriously we are here today for 2000 years the church has shared the same behavior to go and Jesus would give the church the holy spirit to empower the whole the empower the church to be this witness that we are all called to be this is the purpose of the holy spirit in you is not just to make you more like Jesus and to reveal Christ to you it is to give you the power to be a witness of the story that God is writing in your heart so you can plant the seed of the gospel in other people's lives, teaching them also then, after they put their faith in Christ, to follow him. And that's exactly what the first century church did. They, devoted, they were devoted to this mission because they were God's family. And to be God's family means we are devoted to God's mission, and God's mission was to bless all people through the message of Jesus Christ. And we see this devotion. We talked about it a couple of weeks. The last several weeks, it's been kind of like our guiding passage in Acts 2:42. We see this. They were devoted. We read, as Luke writes in his second volume about the church. The church was devoted. These first-century disciples were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And if you missed any of the last couple of weeks, I want you to go back because we tie every one of these behaviors that we have into these four things right here. That we are loving Jesus by gathering together to love one another. This is the fellowship and the breaking of bread. That we are becoming like Jesus by navigating scripture. This is a devotion to the apostles' teaching. And we're sharing Jesus by praying with one another. This is our devotion to prayer. And it begins in caring for one another. And in this, we see the outcome. We read the outcome that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together together. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Look at this, with glad and sincere hearts. There was joy in the camp. Praising God, and look at this, enjoying the favor of all the people. And then we read something here. And the Lord added to their number daily. Those who were being saved. Can I ask a question? How did God add to their number daily? Those who were being saved. Did they just show up? Did the people who were far from God just show up on the doorsteps of the temple courts? Did they just show up uh, when, when they were gathering in their home and they just say, Hey, what's going on here? There's a party. We weren't invited. Did they just show up? You know, I kind of think that's how we think it is. You know, the church of today just acts like they're going to just show up. You know, if we do these things, if we're devoted to these things, then they're just going to show up on the doorstep. They're going to know we have the answer. Because they've looked, they're have looked. they looking for solutions and they're going to know we got the answer. They're just going to show up on our doorsteps. Or this is what we think. We, if we can just invite them, you know, they'll show up on the doorstep. And so our, our goal is just to invite them. Um, how did they get there? How did God add to their number daily who are being saved? See, I don't think, and, uh, uh, not more than that, God did not add to their number because they just showed up. God added to their number because the church went out. The church followed what Jesus taught they followed the apostles' teachings which were exactly what Jesus taught and the church went out to the lost the last and the least and told them about who Jesus was they told them about what Jesus did and then God added to their number daily those who were being saved see God's family followed God's command to go God's family Follows God's command to go. To stay and to stay comfortable is not following the command to go. See, to be God's family is to carry his mission. And someone who carries his mission goes because we follow Jesus. What the disciples did in that day is what I like to call they were an everyday missionary. And we, in our term, in our world today, we've kind of created missionary. We've separated them as a different class of people. They're those people that go to another land and they share the gospel. They're those people that go. But in Jesus' day and his instructions to the disciples, every disciple was a missionary who would go. See, this is what a missionary is. A missionary is simple. It's, it's someone on a mission to share the message of, of jesus wherever he or she goes that's what a missionary is a missionary is a witness to what the power of the gospel has done in their very own life this is what a missionary is a missionary is a a witness and and jesus trained his disciples and empowered his disciples and gave him them a model by which to be a missionary and this is why you're here today because everyday missionaries were in your life or an everyday missionary was in your parents' life and because they came to faith, they, they modeled the faith to you and they shared the faith with you because someone was a missionary to you and they were a witness to the power of God in their, own, their life and this is why we are here today and we're here because someone else believed the message of Jesus and someone, they, they were transformed by the power of God and they knew they were God's family and they being in God's family they had a mission to share the message of Jesus wherever they went and Jesus trained his disciples to be missionaries and i want you to turn to luke chapter 10 i'm going to take you through his training i'm going to show you his training it's a training we talk about a lot it's a training that is integral to us being the family of god it's a training that we need to all be a part of and put this into our rhythms because the mission of God advances when we go on mission with him. So in Luke chapter 10, if you've got your Bibles, we read, we read what Luke says here. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So here, here's just a couple a little thing right here. I just want to pause right here. He sends about two by two. You know, last week I talked to you and we read the story of Peter and John going to the gate and uh, they were at the temple and all of a sudden this lame man was there. You know why they were in twos? Because Jesus taught them to go out in twos. There's something powerful that we do together. And we go on mission together. Mission is not something we solo and isolate ourselves out. We do this together. This is why you see twos all the way throughout the New Testament. You see Paul and Barnabas paired together. Later you see Paul and Silas. They're in a prison. And all of a sudden a miracle happens through that. You see uh, Paul later with Timothy. And then you see, if you read Romans and you read Corinthians, you're going to see Paul with someone else writing because they were on mission in twos. You see, Priscilla and Aquila, two apostles sent by the church, they were married, and c- mar- husbands and wives. Can I tell you something? You are a powerful, you are a powerhouse for the kingdom of God when you share this mission together to be on mission for, with Jesus together. We needed grow- teenagers. You are powerful when you and another Christ follower are together, and there are people. In your in your classes and in your on your campus, who need Jesus? He sent them out in twos, and then he equips them. He not just sends them out in twos; he gives them a crash course instruction, and he gives them. He, he says, "You're going to learn all of this as you get out there." Okay, the the, the hands-on training is actually going to be very hands-on. You don't get trained for this; you go and then you learn it. But he goes, he gives them the instructions ahead of time. And, and here's his instructions on how it means to be on mission together. And he says, he told them, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. Go. You know what this begins with? prayer it begins with a prayer and, and it's not a prayer for the lost it's not a prayer for the people who are far from God he's like they're ready they're searching that they're lost they're hungry for the answer but there's nobody to go the workers are few The church is staying when they need to be going. And to pray for someone to go, you know what that's you're doing? You're praying to go. And in this, he tells them, do not take purse with you. Well, actually, he says this, go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. This is dangerous. It's hostile. You need to know this about the work of God. This is not, he, he doesn't say, he doesn't candy coat this at all. He says, go, put them in a state of liminality. And then he says, don't take any purse with you or money. Don't take money. Don't take extra clothes. You're going to see here in a little bit why he said that. See, church, we need to understand something. The problem is not the lost. And it's not that they're not wanting to come in. It's not the lost. And they're not wanting and receiving our message. You know what the problem is? is that the church is not wanting to go to them. We sit here and we think it's somebody else's job to go. We come and we want to get more information. We want to come and get more. We we feel like we need more before we go. Jesus doesn't say learn. He says go. I mean, these are brand new people to his mission. And he says go. The problem is that God's family doesn't hear God's burden and doesn't want to be a part of God's mission to bless those who are lost. See, Jesus instructs us to be a missionary by beginning with a prayer that finds God's burden. And this is how you are to be a missionary. See, you are a missionary who begins with the prayer, God, in whom are you working? Father, in whom are you working? How can I join you there? The harvest is plentiful. God, I'm going to go to work today and the harvest is plentiful. There are colleagues all around me. You know, and I know they're far from you. In whose life are you at work? In whom are you working? How can I join you? Class, your classmates. You're walking into a hostile environment. Yeah, but God's at work there. In whom are you working? God, I know you're at work. And who, who among here is the, lost, the last or the least? Whom are, in whom are you working? How can I join you there? because I'm, I'm on mission. I'm your family, and to be on your family is to be on mission. What would it look like for you to wake up tomorrow and you look at your neighborhood as you're driving to work and say, God, you're at work in these homes right here. You're at work in these apartment complexes. You're at work, and as you get to your office, you're, God, God, you're, uh, you're at work, and whom are you working? How can I join you there? How can I join you there? We're going to be on God's mission by beginning with prayer. And that's what we do. Next, Jesus gives them instructions. And he says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Now, let me just call this out for what it is. This is not something we do in our culture today. You're not going to go into the, your neighbor's and knock on and, and just wait for them to invite you in because they're not going to do that. Our culture is not th- th- in, in a way this hospitable in, 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 in our day and time. Um, But Jesus wants his missionaries and he wants his disciples to be looking and listening for the person of peace. And the way we listen for the person of peace is the someone who welcomes us into their home, he says. Now, in our day and age, we're not, again, going to be welcomed into somebody's home. But we can't listen to them and be welcomed to, to listen. See, you are a missionary. Write this in. You are a missionary who listens to those who are far from God. And when you find that person who who um, will allow you to listen to them, they want to share with you, and when that's a person of peace. A person of peace is that person who God wants you to focus your attention and your efforts. And, and, and that's the person in which you're to dedicate your efforts and your attention. But to find a person of peace, we have to position ourselves to listen. You know, sometimes... <laughs> We're not in a position to listen because we are on a mission to tell. And Jesus says, no, I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Let people welcome you into their homes and their lives, and then that will give you the permission to tell. See, a person of peace in today's age is not necessarily someone who will welcome you into their home, but a person of peace in today's age is someone who will welcome you into their story. Someone who says, "Let me, you know, you know that person that you, you you talk to, man, they just shared everything with me. I have no clue why." And God's like, "Ding ding 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 ding." I'm working. Listen, I'm working. Listen. That person who promotes peace welcomes you and I, and and this is what we do. We can identify that person of peace with the person who just a lot la- once wants to share their story, and they'll welcome you into their story. They'll trust you with the hurts, the hopes of their life. They'll trust you with the things that they've been and they go, man, I don't even know why I shared that with you. And you're like, I know. (laughs) I know. And you accept them for who they are. That's their story. You're not there to change their past. You're not there to change any of that. You're there to listen to them and be welcomed into their lives. That's what missionaries do. They're welcomed into people's lives. And God is at work in their life, and God has placed you there to be a blessing to them, but to be a blessing, you have to begin with prayer and then you have to listen to the people that you're wanting to bless. And then next, Jesus goes on to say, stay there. Stay there. Stay with that person. Stay with that household. Stay with that story. Commit to them. Don't. It's not just one and done. It's not just, hey, man, nice to meet you. I'll call you one day. No invest in them and then he says this eat with them and drink whatever they give you eat eating and drinking whatever they give you this was a common thing in that culture I mean not only did they invite you over but it was common that a stranger hey why don't you come over for dinner we got, we got enough food we always have enough food now in our day and age we just don't do that in fact we make our meal time uh, we have the meal prepared for you when you arrive because we want you out of there in an hour <laughs> I didn't learn this about our culture that I've been uh, such a proponent of until uh, we moved to South Africa and not all cultures are like our American fast-paced world. But there's something powerful about sharing a table with someone. There's something powerful. So see, you are a missionary who shares a table and eats with those who are far from God. And while hospitality is dying in our day and age, it's the church who needs to revive the power of the table. We need to elevate this in a culture that is pushing it out, and we're becoming so busy, we're so focused on making more money that demands more of our time. And in this, we need to reclaim the dinner. We need to reclaim the power of the meal, and you can do this even in simple ways with your work. Don't eat alone. Invite someone to join you. Or when someone invites you to join them, hey, God may be working in this situation. Go with them. Eat with them. Invest in them. You know, there's no more powerful um, display of the gospel. It could be the first taste of, that someone has of the gospel of Jesus than when you eat with someone. Because when you eat together with someone, all are equal at the table. There's no hierarchy when you share a meal. We are all equals. And there's nothing more powerful than knowing that you are accepted at the table. We give people a taste that they are accepted by God when we accept them at a table. It's a powerful way that we can share the gospel of Jesus. Jesus leveraged meals all the time. He leveraged meals all the time. Most of his discipleship happened through meals. And we need to reclaim the mission of God and reclaim the dinner and the meal to, re, to be on mission with God and for the sake of the good news. No better way to build relationship with someone, to build trust in a relationship than by sharing a meal with them. And then Jesus says this, verse nine, heal the sick who are there. You know what? There, there's a couple things here, and I, I just want to say this quickly. First of all, is he gives them a practical way to meet their need. But he also says, meet the need that they have. Okay? Heal the sick who are there. I think sometimes, church, we try to meet needs that are not there. Okay? And the only way we can meet needs that are there is when we position ourselves to listen and we learn and we need that that's and he, jesus gives them the power to practically heal those who are there but i also want to mention something else because it's important in this so they just not were in a position to serve but in, in verse four we learned something that he sent them out in a very risky scenario he said i'm sending you out like lambs among wolves and and some of us are like i don't know if i want to sign up for this but when you receive what god has given you why wouldn't you sign up for this <laughs> Because when you've received eternal life, why wouldn't you want to be on this mission to save others and rescue others so they can become a part of this family and receive life? And then he says, go, and this is how I want you to go, take nothing with you. He put them in a place of need. Interesting, right? He put them in a place that they needed to be served. Now, this doesn't go well with our American Western culture. Because America, we're the heroes. And the Western church, we like to come in and rescue. But Jesus didn't operate that way. Jesus operated often by putting himself and positioning himself in a place to be served. In John 4, Jesus would go to the woman at the well and he would send his disciples away. He would take a whole nother pathway to get to this well. Didn't even need to go this direction. There was another direct route that he could have easily gone. But he doesn't. And in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day in this desert area, there's a well there. And with nobody around, he sends his disciples off. A woman comes, and the first thing he says to her, Will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? And in that moment, Jesus was able to to take this, and her serving him allowed him to serve her the water that would never run dry. See, we need to overcome our pride and allow ourselves to be served by others because god can work in that and he works in that just as much as when we serve others so a missionary you are a missionary who serves or is served by others that you serve others yeah when you're there to meet the need you humbly meet the need it's not for your own glory but also You look for the opportunities to be served by others, that you can do this. You can be served by others. We cannot forget how God works when we allow ourselves to be served by the neighbor who can loan us the tool, by the person at work who who can help us with the project, by, by the person in need. And they may desperately be in need, but you can raise their dignity by allowing them to serve you. We can elevate this and the importance of people and we can meet then their needs see when someone meets our physical need we then are given permission to meet their spiritual need and then he goes in verse 9 and tell them the kingdom of god has come near to you kingdom of god this was the good news of jesus this was not just a demonstration of power this was a message of truth And a lot of times, you know, at church, can I tell you something? There are so many people in the church that all we want to do, hey, we want to love people, we want to serve people, but we draw the line in sharing the truth of the kingdom of God. We we draw the line in sharing the message of the good news, that I want my life to be a demonstration of the gospel, and we write it there, and then we eliminate the need or the opportunity for us to share the message of the good news of Jesus. But Jesus instructs that in order to be in on his mission, that to be in his family, you are not just there to serve and meet their need, but you're needing their need with the purpose because it's through the message of the kingdom of God, a kingdom of God reversing the curse of all sin that they, are, they need to be delivered from, that they can come into this new family. And the kingdom of God is about a family, not just God's rule and reign. It's about a kingdom family that they can be a part of. And the message of the good news of Jesus is why we are here. We cannot just serve, but we serve and are served with a mission to share the good news of Jesus. This is why missionaries go. See, you are a missionary who connects the story of the good news of Jesus with those who are far from God you connect it in their everyday life you plant seeds in their everyday life about the message of the good news that this is what god can do for them that this is why jesus is so important to your story and when you share your story and how god has influenced you and positioned you and blessed you through what christ's work is on the cross that's the good news message they need to hear See, a missionary doesn't say, let me bring you to a church so the pastor can share the good news. A missionary doesn't say, let me bring you to my group leader or my, my, my group that, so they can share the good news. The missionary is empowered with their, they know their story, they know their gospel story and they're willing to share that message with others. And so here's the last thing that we have to do as God's family. Because we are God's family, this is our calling. We are sharing Jesus by being on mission together to bless. That's begin with prayer. The B, the L is we're going to listen to those who are far from God and we're going to be invited into their story. We're going to look for opportunities to eat with them. We're going to be served by them or serve them. And we're going to be positioned to share the message and the story of the kingdom of God because without the story of the kingdom of God, beginning with prayer, listening and eating and serving mean nothing we have to share the message and that is why you're here today and this is why when we leave today we don't leave here without a mission to go this is how I believe this is how God added to their number daily those who are being saved these people in that first century were living out what it meant what Jesus taught them And they were going. And they were going wherever they live, work, study, and play. And they were on mission. God's mission. And so we are doing that today. Now this is how God carries out his plan. Through you and me, the church. And I want to finish today with something that Paul writes in Romans. And I want you to hear this. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone who believes in Christ Jesus will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. Where's the blessing? The blessing is when people call on the name of the Lord Jesus and receive salvation. And then he goes on to say, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the blessing. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how... Can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Wait, Casey, wait, wait. That's your job. No. See, the Greek in this is proclaiming. The Greek in this is like telling. It's sharing. And it's not a preacher's job to preach. It's a disciple's mission to proclaim. How can they hear without someone? Casey, don't you mean serving? Yeah, serving's great. Eating's great. How can they hear unless we tell? And how can anyone proclaim or preach unless they are sent? In other words, how can they hear church? Unless we go. Because if we don't go, they won't come. If we don't go, they won't come. You have a son or a daughter that's lost. You're doing your best, but we got to go to them. You got neighbors that are lost. We've got to go to them. There's a community that's lost, and the church is commissioned to go and if we expect them to just come here if we expected them just to listen online if we expected them to 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 hear it any other way we are fooling ourselves and deceiving ourselves and failing the mission god has given us we must go as it's written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news consequently faith comes from hearing the message the message is heard through the word about christ The family of God. This is our identity. And this is what we do. See, the spiritual landscape of our city will change only when God's family goes together on mission to share the message of Jesus' good news. And this is what communion is a reminder of. We're going to take communion right now and I invite anyone that's uh, in, a, in a journey with Jesus to join us today. See, communion is not just a reminder of what God did by sending Jesus into this world to suffer and die on our behalf. It's, Jesus was the first missionary. It's a reminder of that. It's a reminder of his payment, his suffering that brings us into the family of God. But it's also because this is our identity, that this we are family. This is a reminder of our mission to go. It's a mission to bless the others the way that we've been blessed by hearing the message of Jesus. And communion is not just a reminder of what Christ has done for us. It's a reminder that we are sent to go. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And we're going to pray together. And as we pray, and I'm going to release you. But I want you to pray this prayer as you come. Okay, this is the prayer I want you to pray. Father, it's the beginning with prayer. In whom are you at work? And how can I join you there? In whom are you working? How can I join you there? Will you just take this posture today? And can we begin this together? Father, you're at work. How can I join you there? I want you to hold on to these elements and we're going to take them in a minute. But will you grab them and then let's sing together. Will you exit now? Come forward and pray this prayer as you come.